You can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. It's going to be God or country. It can't be both. There will be moments when they come into conflict. And at that moment, you will prove which one you actually serve. I'm Mitch. And I'm Missy. We're co-workers. He's the boss. And we're married. And she's the boss. Together, we host Good Faith Weekly, a podcast on faith and culture. What could possibly go wrong? Tune in and find out. Missy. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Missy and I are going to catch up and talk about the latest current events. And then later on the pod, Missy and I sat down with the president and editor of Word and Way, Dr. Brian Kaler. And we're going to talk a little bit about how faith and politics are covered in the press. So it's a great conversation. Stay tuned. I think you're going to enjoy this pod. Hello there, Missy. Hello. How are you today? I'm okay. I don't know if you've noticed or not. I've been a little mad at you the last couple of days. Really? The last few days? The last couple of days. Okay. So what did I do? So I'm I'm finding it equal parts torturous and exhilarating to save these little nuggets <laughs> for our listeners. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to, to hear what I've done. So... I had a dream the other night. Oh, dear Lord. Did I do something (laughs) in the dream? (laughs) Folks, I'm always messing up in her dreams. True. And in my dream, you, in the middle of the night, got up and decorated the entire house for Christmas. Oh, and it would have been fabulous. when I woke up, there was like a little Christmas tree by my bed, and the house was decorated. And when I woke up... None of that was true. <laughs> That's what you were upset about. That is that literally not... <laughs> what upset me. So, well, um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I've been a little well, bitter about it. On behalf of St. Nick that. and his elves, I apologize <laughs> for ticking you off in the middle of the night. Well, you know, that's all right. I'll try to get over it here in a couple of more days. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, it's the end of summer. Uh, you got any big plans to the end of summer? No. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much over, isn't it? Yeah. No, our September is crazy. We're going to be traveling, and so we're going to be recording at weird times, and uh, it'll it'll be interesting. But no, I'm excited to get fall started. I think that is where my Christmas dream came in, is that I'm just that. ready for holiday season to begin. Yeah. So if you could like get on board with me and... <laughs> do something about that. That'd be great. You know, what's really remarkable. You and I were out uh, doing some shopping the other night uh, looking for some paint. We're painting uh, an office here at the house and uh, you know, the uh, Halloween decorations are everywhere right now, even here in August, but then. No, it's September 2nd, yo. (laughs) (laughs) It isn't. Oh, it is September the second. <laughs> uh, I may be a little out of it. Uh, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Speaking of paint, though, yes, I don't know if Callie's going to use any of our video or not. But mm-hmm. If anybody can tell, I'm wearing my um, beloved paint shirt. Oh, you've had that for what twenty years? This or is a journal of um, all the painting I've done over the years, and it's it's one of my favorite shirts. But I have been painting mm-hmm. my office. Yes. And I will say that the previous tenant <laughs> was the jerk that left 
all of the nail holes. And not not just the nail, but the nails in the wall. So uh, as I've been painting. Well, I thought you could reuse those, repurpose those. Did somehow. you? Yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought as I've been digging um, all of the the, fo- the picture hooks and things. For the second time the in this episode, I am sorry. <laughs> We're going to start a, a sub pod of this pod and just <laughs> calls it be- Mitch's sorry. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, you always say what I'm happiest when when you have something to gripe about. That's right. Yeah. So, so that's, I, I give that to you. That's I'm, right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a giver. I'm just a giver. <laughs> Keep <what> me happy. <laughs> right. Audience, uh, we are recording later than usual today. Um, so that may be coming through, I don't know, in our, in our dialogue. Uh, but you mentioned earlier, you're a little out of it. You yeah. had a, a little bit a little of a, loopy right now. A, a little bit of a procedure today, which required some, what is that called? General anesthetic? I, I don't know. Not, not general. I don't yeah. know. Well, they put me under, just gave me a little sedation and put me under, I think they called it cognitive uh, anesthesia where you're awake, but not awake kind of a deal. Uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, I had a little procedure today. I went in to see the cardiologist a couple weeks ago. Uh, I am north of 50 now and uh, trying to get everything checked out, make sure I'm okay. And so they did a sonogram of my heart a couple of weeks ago, and the cardiologist said, well, there's something going on with one of those valves. There's something missing. <laughs> there's something missing. And I was like, oh, that's that's not good. He said, so I want to do this T, uh, uh, this T uh, procedure on you. And so went in this morning, early, early this morning. Uh, thank you for taking me, by the way. And, uh, that's my third right? <laughs> I'm not apologizing for that one. Uh, but uh, they did the procedure and found out that I have uh, one of my valves is deformed from when I was born. I've had it all my life and had no idea. So I am okay, though. Everything's fine. I'm just going to probably have to check it out or have it checked out. Uh, when I'm 70 years old and maybe have to do some work, uh, some upgrading on that. So while you're still kind of riding the wave of anesthesia, yes, yes. I am putting in a request for money. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Company money. <laughs> Company money for what? <laughs> and I'm bringing this to you along um, with our listeners because I need a little input on this. So get ready. I'm about to do mental gymnastics. Yeah. Do, you I, wanna, do I need to get our business manager on the line? Maybe. <laughs> you want to clarify how my mental gymnastics work? Oh, it is. It's remarkable. I mean, she she lands a ten every time from the vault, from the floor. I mean, she just flips and flops. It's amazing. So, That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready. We You're have about friends to be that will literally hold up pretend signs um, after one of my routines. So here we go. So you know I suck at. Oh, sorry. Wait. You know, I stink at taking a compliment, right? Yes, I do know that. But in the same time, I love it. (laughs) So (laughs) I will say that as people have texted and messaged and reached out and said Mm -hmm. they're really enjoying the pod, it has just fueled um, something in me. But at the same time, it's... It's uncomfortable, and so my knee-jerk reaction is to shower them with gifts. Okay, right? yes, yes, I do okay, know that. Okay, so as evidence, I'll post a photo of our my first positive commenter a few weeks ago um, who received a box full of, of Good Faith Media swag because <laughs> that's how I'm, I, I don't know. That's how I accept yeah, yeah. it. You compliment me, mm-hmm. I will shower you with things. 
So I noticed that our um, stock of uh, GFM swag in the garage. Yes, we have a lot of it. Is getting a little low. Yeah, well, yeah. So my thought was we need some, I think to be a legit podcast, we need Good Faith Weekly swag. Isn't that what makes you yeah. a legit podcast? Yeah. Like if you have follower, you know, you've got sure. stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know what it's going to be yet. Mm-hmm. But I have well, Why wouldn't there be bobbleheads associated with this? I don't think they make them that big. <laughs> hey! Yeah. Ouch! You oh my right gosh! My heart! My heart! <laughs> we'll talk about the ring light you ordered in a minute. Okay. So, no, but my thought is I've got four or five, I don't know, people like backlog to send to shower with gifts because Mm -hmm. they've showered me with compliments and so i want to send them things but i don't know what so i'm coming to you now as you're maybe still a little foggy on the the to get you to sign off on my purchase (laughs) order but also to maybe ask the audience what we should order what what would be good i think that's a great good faith weekly swag yeah what is a good swag item right what would you like to get and also uh a maybe like passive aggressive plea for compliments and accolades. <laughs> I'm always here for that. Just remember folks, she hates it and loves it I at the same hate time. It and love it at the same time. Kind of so. describes our marriage. But nevertheless, let's go on. <laughs> let's move forward <laughs> uh, with the news. Lots going on in the news this week. Uh, since I was uh, under a little bit this morning, I know you kind of worked on our list. So uh, what do you want to talk about? So there's <laughs> at per use. Yeah. Tons of things we need to talk about. Yeah, the most difficult thing about this job, both at Good Faith Media and Good Faith Weekly, is really trying to decide what not to talk about. Well, it's really trying to decide which grievances I'm going to air and what news events we're going to talk about. (laughs) Okay, so let us... That's the difficult decision, but... Since you're in charge this week, you go ahead. I feel like in light of our discussion with Brian um, that you're going to hear later, which was so important... I wanted to maybe camp out on this topic a little bit because it is so important. Um, We kind of talk um, about Christian nationalism quite a bit on during our interview. And given that you did your doctoral doctoral work, sorry, um, on separation of church and state, this is kind of um, a field or an area that you know quite a bit about. I wanted to clarify for our listeners what patriotism and faith are, how they can exist together, mm-hmm. and one does not negate the other. Correct. Um, so I wanted you to talk about, because I did not want to leave the impression that we are unpatriotic or not proud of our country or not supportive of the United States or, or whatever. I want to make sure that we, we stress that we are proud of our country we're proud of where we come from we the the history the things that we hold to we um absolutely 100 percent honor our our veterans and people who have given their life to service absolutely country and so i wondered if you could speak to that a little bit yeah i'd be happy to uh you know obviously christian nationalism is front and center right now christian nationalism was probably the number one ideology that drove people to invade the Capitol on January the 6th. Uh, Yes, uh, former President Trump lit the match, but the ideology was already there. And it's really a, a myth, to be quite honest with you, Missy. It is the myth that you have to fuse your faith 
with your political ideology. And the truth of the matter is those who profess Christian nationalism are letting their politics drive their faith. Now, there are a lot of wonderful people in the world who are shaped by their faith, both liberal and conservative, and they allow their faith to shape their politics. And so they, they you know, come at that as a, a matter of conscience, but there's also an acknowledgement that they are not alone in this country, and therefore there's rigorous debate about certain issues, and then the lost art these days of compromise should take place, and we move forward as a society. The misnomer is that a lot of people are now believing to be a good Christian. You must also be a good American, and to be a good American, you must be Christian. And that goes against the principles that the founders established at the beginning of this country. Now, what that does also, what that also does not mean is that because you believe in separation of church and state and the two should stay separate, it does not mean that you are any less patriotic. I love my country. I love the United States of America. This is a wonderful place to live. It's a wonderful place to raise your children. Uh, and it's just, it, it is a, a, a jewel within history. But do you have a Stars and Stripes Speedo? I feel like <laughs> I do that's not. the measure of how patriotic <laughs> oh, oh, you are. There's not going to be a photo of that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but no, um, you know, you and I have talked about this quite extensively. And what I want people to hear is that those people who are critical of the United States, that does not equate to not loving your country. Right. Because we must always remember the United States of America is an experiment. Jefferson said it best when he said that we are striving towards a more perfect union. It does not mean that we have ever reached it, but what we're hoping is that we are striving towards that better union as we experiment in this idea of self-government together. Therefore, we must be honest about where we came from and where we are. For example, historically, the United States of America was established by these two things. The lands of this country that you and I live on were stolen from the indigenous people who already lived here. Right. And secondly, the economic system that we, uh, we prosper from was built by slave labor from Africa. Right. Saying those two things does not reduce my appreciation for the founders and for the people who began this country. It is just an honest reality of this is who we are so that we will not make the same mistake. And that's why it's so terrifying when you have these reconstructionists or this whitewashing of uh, history to develop a new mythology to, to, uh, 
to complement their current political ideology. It's, again, letting your political ideology shape your faith as well as letting your current political ideology shape your, shape a new history to match that. So right now, I want our listeners to hear that any time that we are critical of policy or this country, it's not out of a disdain for the country itself. It's so that we can become a more perfect union and that we can progress and be, and be a better people. That's the most important facet. You know, I can remember, you know, people coming to me all the time when I was a pastor and saying, you know, you, you, you criticize Christianity a lot. I say, yeah, I do, because one, it's, you know, it's deserved that criticism. There's a lot of material. <laughs> There's a lot with. of material. There. But it's not because I don't love Jesus. It's because I want people to, you know, understand the teachings of Jesus more. I want to understand the teachings of Jesus more, and I want to be more like Jesus and less like myself, which has a sinful nature. And so we've got to get over this misconception that criticism is somehow hate-driven. It is not. But that well, doesn't frustration-driven. Right. It may be frustration-driven, but. The goal at the end is that we become a better people and a better country. And yes, we love this country. We appreciate every single one of the men and women who defend this country. We appreciate the men and women who walk the streets of this country protecting us in law enforcement. We appreciate the firefighters. They are doing incredible work. But it does not mean that each one of those institutions, including the church and including the organization that we lead, is not deserving of criticism, not because that we hate them or they hate us. It's because we're trying to get better. So all I can think about is when you talked about shaping, about using your politics to shape your faith mm -hmm. and your ideology, it's kind of like the Spanx of... of um, <laughs> Oh, dear God. <laughs> That's all I can think about is when you're getting, you don't know this. I do not. When women have a, typically women, although we did learn from a We did learn, yes, that, from a prominent pastor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Spanx for men, How important apparently. it is to wear Spanx so in the pulpit. there's your, your PSA. Um, yeah, but I was just thinking, you know, just getting, wiggling into Spanx to try to fit into the dress. <laughs> So there you go, folks. There There's you your mental go. image. Yeah, and I will say that in um, getting ready for this, to record this opening, this has just been percolating in my mind. And I thought about, I kind of asked some friends that we ran across in the last couple of days and, and thought I would share kind of a, a fun little quote in, after your very deep and heavy um, monologue there. But I was asking somebody, what, what makes you patriotic or what was patriotism? And as, as our very dear friend was kind of wrestling with that and saying, I don't know, you know, how much patriotism I had. And then they said, well, well, wait, they said, um, bourbon <laughs> is one of the greatest things ever invented. And that is is distinctly American. So, <laughs> so God bless the USA. Cue Lee Greenwood that's at this right, moment. That's right. so. Proud I, to be an American. Right. I do want to say this, though, because at the end of the day, and here is kind of the false dichotomy 
that is being perpetuated in this country is that um, is that you have to choose between your country and your God. If I am ever forced to choose, I am going to utter the same words that Paul uttered when he wrote in his epistles, and that is Women Christ. should be silent? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, right now I'm kind of thinking that's okay. But <laughs> Every now and again, I remember my Bible, and yeah, it works out do. for me. That's right. No. What he wrote was this, and it's so simple, and we gloss over it every time, but we must remember he was making a political statement, and that statement is this, Christ is Lord, because in every coin in the Roman uh, Empire, it had Caesar is Lord. I will never, ever bow to the empire, no matter how much I love this country, I will never bow to empire because Christ is my Lord, and I exist outside of these institutions. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate them and love them, but I must always recall those words, Christ is Lord, not Caesar. Right, and and as I was kind of mulling about to follow up on my earlier um, fun comment, I was thinking about patriotism and love of country and faith and and this exists outside of the Christian faith as well. And I was telling you just before we started recording that um, in over the last several years, anytime I've been frustrated or at my wit's end and I think there's no hope and you know something happens, whatever it is, that it just makes me feel so dejected um, in our country, um, the person who generally speaks to me <coughs> yeah go ahead go ahead yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. is not you oh <laughs> but that's our one of our favorite people in the world and that's imam imad and chauncey and oh I absolutely know, uh, we refer to him all the time but he really just is that phenomenal of a person but he grew up as a refugee in beirut and came to we published his memoir cloud miles you we can pick did. that up at goodfaithmedia.org we did um he just one, he's hysterical, and yeah. funny people are just my favorite people. Um, but he always comes to the table, to social media in times of, of darkness with just the most encouraging words. As, as someone who grew up as a refugee in Beirut and then came to the United States as a young adult, he always talks about his love of this country. Mm -hmm. And it's always such a great reminder and a reset of, um, like you said, we are searching for a more perfect union. Right. That doesn't mean we've gotten it right. Correct. And that does mean we have things that we have to acknowledge and deal with, but we want to become more perfect. We want this experiment to continue because there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. Very well said. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, Missy and I sat down with uh, the editor and president of Word and Way this week, Dr. Brian Kaler, and we talk about Christian nationalism, we talk about uh, coverage in the press of faith issues and denominationalism, and so it's a really good conversation. I think you'll be interested in it, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, listeners, check us out online at goodfaithmedia.org and follow us on social at gfmedia.org. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I'm new here and could really use the feedback, but only if it's glowing. Thanks for listening.
Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a friend to Good Faith Media, Brian Kaler. He is the Word and Way editor and president since 2016, an award-winning writer and sought-after expert Wait, on... is he really... <laughs> What did I Lots just say? people saying they were the president since 2016 these days, Mitch. <laughs> he is the president. I, I, I've seen the documents. He's got them hidden right there in his basement. <laughs> Gotcha. Sorry. Carry on. Uh, he's an expert on issues in religion, politics, and communication. He also hosts an award-winning podcast, Baptist Without an Adjective. In addition to articles and editorials for Word and Way, his writings have been published by CNN, Houston Chronicle, Kansas City Star, Louisville Courier Journal, RNS, Roll Call, and a host of others, including the Washington Post. Brian has a PhD and an MA in communication from the University of Missouri and a BA in communication and Christian ministry from Southwest University. Brian, welcome to Good Faith Weekly. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I'm sorry about my partner in crime here every now and again. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I was elected literally one week to the day after the 2016 <laughs> presidential election. And so like my entire tenure at Word and Way has been dealing with issues of Christian faith in this really bizarre era that we have been in uh, thanks to a certain somebody. Uh, so. wow. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, the, the president who will go nameless. <laughs> well, Brian, we are excited that uh, you are here. You've been a friend of uh, Baptist Center for Ethics and Ethics Daily and also uh, a friend of Good Faith Media. Uh, it's been way too long. We appreciate you coming on the show. Um, one of the things that we really want to kind of uh, talk about, first of all, before we get into kind of your expertise on some issues, is there are a lot of our listeners who may not be familiar with Word and Way. So tell us a little bit about uh, the work at Word, Away, Word and Way and uh, what you guys are trying to accomplish. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that opportunity to plug. We've been around since 1896, actually, uh, and we're still in print. We have a monthly magazine uh, still as part of that legacy. And we started with this vision of being unconnected to a denomination covering Baptists, both north and south uh, at the time. Uh, regionally across the Midwest, we had writers and editors at the turn of the last century in multiple states and territories, including, you know, the Oklahoma and Indian territories back at the time. We already had uh, writers and editors out in those areas. After Magritte, uh, we still call it Indian territory now. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, and then eventually <laughs> Oklahoma Baptist started their own paper and we kind of lost most of our subscribers, but yeah. we used to be the paper for, right. for your area even. Uh, and then we went through a period where we were the official Southern Baptist uh, Convention State Publication of Missouri for about uh, 55 years after 50 years of being independent. And then a couple of decades ago, we went back to our roots. And so we are back to being independent Baptist publication, looking at a wide variety of Baptist and Christian life. We now have podcasts, as you noted, Baptist about an adjective. We also launched Dangerous Dogma, which is a broader conversation with Christians outside the Baptist world. And we have an email newsletter that we launched uh, about a year and a half ago called A Public Witness, and it particularly focuses on the intersection of faith and politics, mm. uh, deep dives, long form reporting on a lot of the craziness that's happening in our society right now. Yeah. Well, it's, not, it's great. It's word, uh, wordandway.org for anybody who wants to check it out. But you've been president since, uh, editor and president since 2016. And speaking about all of this coverage, um, since 2016, or even before that, Brian, in your career, because you've covered uh, faith and politics for a long time, what is probably the most important story that you have ever covered or told in your career? 
Wow, that's a great question. I mean, if you think about like, you know, big picture happening in our society, and then I'll, I'll give you two answers. You know, big picture. I mean, I, I really do think the biggest story, the most important story has been the last president and the relationship with the church, particularly January 6th. I mean, I, I don't think we can underestimate how significant that still is. I am uh, constantly watching church services, conservative Christian gatherings, and listening to the way that they're continuing to talk about the former president, about January 6th. And it, we're not out of the woods yet. I mean, this is a clear and, and, and present danger to our democracy, to our faith. You know, I would say on a more, you know, like small personal level, because that's a story that lots of people have covered. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I, I, the story that I'm probably most excited about that I've been able to accomplish in these last few years has been, I told a story of my own undergraduate university. Mm. Uh, I've told two different stories. One story has been all of the politics and unfortunately the school is falling apart and lost their accreditation because of, you know, some of the stuff that I was reporting about. But the other story I told was a story about the history of the school, school that I went to mm-hmm. uh, and the history of embedded and hidden racism and the impact this has had. And I really, you know, I can't get into the full story here sure. in the short little segment, but being able to tell these stories to help us in our in our white churches and our white institutions reckon with the parts of our past that we've never told before, I think is something that that hard work that we need to all be doing in our own churches and institutions. And that's, that story went on to win, uh, you know, some significant awards. And so I'm particularly yeah. proud of the impact that that has had in, in wrestling with my own past institutions, uh, problems with racism. And you just illustrated the most important facet in my opinion, well, there's a lot of important facets, but one of the most important facets is preserving these stories because, you know, especially we're seeing it uh, firsthand right now, this whitewashing of history, this the reconstructionalism of, of history and faith-based journalism and organizations like Word and Way and Good Faith Media that try to hold a high standard of integrity and truth-telling. That's why we're. it's so important to have organizations like ours around. And so you did a fabulous job with that story. I know exactly what you're talking about, and, and well done, sir. So, Brian, as we've noted that your work um, centers around kind of faith and politics, and I don't know if you've heard, but Christian nationalism <laughs> is kind of a, a buzz what? term right now. And I was wondering, one, have you heard of it? Um, <laughs> Give us your thoughts on on Christian nationalism in, in general a little bit, but also talk to us about how people of faith can help combat it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think this is a really significant topic, and it's, I'm, I'm excited that people are are talking about it now, right? I mean, you know, Mitch, you know this, when uh, our friends at the Baptist Joint Committee launched Christians Against Christian Nationalism back in the summer of 2019, I mean, talk about being prophetic, mm-hmm. you know, some people are like, oh, you all just made this term up about January 6th. I'm like, no, no, people have been talking about this for years. You know, this really is the issue in our moment, I think. I think for, for Christians who are concerned about the integrity of our faith, this is the danger because anything that tries to conflate the Christian identity, the gospel witness with one nation, as, as if you have to be a, a good Christian to be a good American and a good American to be a good Christian, that is dangerous. It undermines the basic understanding of the gospel that we have been taught and that we are called to preach. And so I think that Christian nationalism is something that all Christians need to be speaking out against. Now, how we do it, of course, is, is the more difficult part because, you know, we're now entering this phase where some of those who have been espousing Christian nationalism are embracing the term as a badge of honor. 
And like, I'm a Christian nationalist and I'm proud of it. We've had, you know, members of Congress who are selling t-shirts about being a proud Christian nationalist. We have individuals like Al Mohler who after January 6th, criticized the issue, the idea of, of Christian nationalism, and now is embracing the term mm. and saying that he is a Christian nationalist, right? And so that's actually concerning that we're seeing this embrace of this ideology. And I think we have to get back to this idea that you can't serve two masters. You, you can only serve one. It's going to be God or country. It can't be both. There will be moments when they come into conflict. And at that moment, you will prove which one you actually serve. And for me, you know, the connection with the global church has also been, I think, the best way of combating Christian nationalism. I mean, you know, we've all been at Baptist World Alliance meetings and there's they're so significant to my faith into realizing that, you know what, there's so much more out there besides American Christianity. And that's what we need to help more people to hear and to see. So do you feel like right now with, with more attention being paid, paid to in labeling Christian nationalism, I would say there were elements of that, you know, in my childhood growing up in the Bible Belt and um, in church, you know, when, when you have, of course, the flag and the sanctuary, and it was kind of undertones of that. Now I feel like we've done a better job of naming what this is. Do you feel like now that we've recognized it, is it, is the momentum there to ramp up is, or are voices like ours having any impact in calling this out for what it is? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, mean, I think there's, there's definitely the hardening of positions, right? So we're getting the people that are embracing it as a badge of honor, but we're having conversations about, you know, removing the flag from sanctuaries. And I, I know some pastors who have taken that move in recent years. And that used to be, you know, the third rail. Did you any of them keep their you... jobs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we've also heard stories of pastors that got fired for removing that, which is right. a clear sign that something is an idol. Sure. If you can't remove it without losing your job, it's an idol. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but yeah, the Christian nationalism, it was in the air that we breathed growing up in a white Christian church. It was there on stage as the flag. It was in the the section of our hymnal uh, <laughs> with the national anthem, a bunch of quote patriotic hymns. Right? right. And, you know, it was honestly, it was a few years. I, I was a part of a Mennonite congregation in Virginia for about six years. And it was the first 4th of July that I came back home after being in the Mennonite church for a, a few years. And I was at a Baptist church and they started doing all the patriotic hymns. And it was like, I mean, I grew up with that and it seemed normal, but then after being out of that environment for a few years, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, who are we worshiping? And so, you know, now instead, you know, since I am a member of Baptist church, I, uh, I go camping or, you know, go to BWA meeting or something. I just, I skip church on the 4th of July because I can't do it. (laughs) I just can't deal with it. Even our moderate progressive Baptist churches, right. Are still struggling with this. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we're having some great conversations. I do think that's helpful, but man, there is so much more work that needs to be done. And that's what's so disconcerting to me, Brian, is that at one time it felt like this was a bit of a fringe movement uh, because, I mean, you mentioned some people who, uh, you know, are more radical uh, in their their voices, their rhetoric, uh, their belief system. But what we always knew is that there was an underlying... um, belief that existed within our churches, even within our moderate to progressive churches, of this hint of Christian nationalism. And and now we're seeing it becoming mainstream 
and almost populist. And to me, that is, that's what terif- is terrifying because you do hear individuals like Moeller uh, embracing the term now and how many others are going to start embracing it and, and see this as, as a political religious movement that calls them to arms. And so that's what's terrifying to me at this point. So how do organizations like ours get this message out? To be, you know, a person of faith is not to be a Christian nationalist. Yeah, I think the problem that we have, comparative to say like, you know, the early church leaders, is that the religion of the empire, the false doctrine, the is the dominant one in our culture that we are trying to, you know, get people to repent and follow Jesus from, uses the same term that we use, right? So when Paul and Peter are preaching against the, the cult of the empire, they're called saying, hey, come follow the way of Jesus. Or, you know, they start calling themselves Christians. When we try to get people to be Christians, they think I am already a Christian, right? The, 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 the cult of the empire is using the same label to describe its religion as what we're using. And, and so it's really hard, one, to help people understand what is American in their churches and what is Christian, right? You know, separating the, 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 the wheat and the chaff from, from to help them understand what's different. But then the other problem we have is that we live in an outrage culture, as, you, as, as you're noting, that, you know, when you try to be a civil person, when you try to love people like Jesus loves, when you try to, you know, say some, you know, to treat people like they're actually a human being made in the image of God, no matter how much you may disagree with them, right? that doesn't, get the headlines and the clicks and, you know, the attention. And so it's this idea of how do we remain, how do we not lose our own humanity? How do we not lose our own values and our, our principles and yet also get our message out? And that's the, the, I don't know. I don't have a great answer to that. We're in a difficult place. We just have to keep uh, pushing ahead and trying to reach a few more people, but it's, it's, it's the slow road. Yeah. And I can uh, a friend of ours, a friend of yours, the late Babs Ball, used to tell me all the time, uh, we moderates and progressives are just too damn nice. <laughs> because yeah. it's, just, it's in our nature not to quarrel or to be mean and ugly about things. And, and so I, I think she, she had a valid point there. And what you're saying is, is exactly right. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Al Mohler earlier, this article that you wrote for BNG, which is extraordinary. Um, you know, I, I wonder if we are finally getting some attention because our friends at the BJC, we, we see Amanda now on NBC or MSNBC on CNN. Uh, there are avenues uh, like podcasting, like you're doing, like we're doing. Uh, we're talking about this in other arenas, and I am hoping that there are people out there who may have been ha- had that that small element of Christian nationalism within them, but now see where that that type of belief is headed and are looking for an alternative ways. And hopefully they'll find resources like Word and Way and Good Faith Media and Baptist News Global and Baptist Joint Committee so that they can, they can educate themselves about how dangerous this is and, and that we need to be Jesus followers and, and not serve two masters, like you said a moment ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm really excited by the attention that Amanda, Tyler, and the BJC are getting on Christian nationalism. That's encouraging. Um, but boy, it's still so hard, to, mm-hmm. you know, for as I, as I write about, you know, I mean, I, this is a piece that I've been kind of 
toying with writing for a few years, honestly. And then I just had a moment where I was just really irritated. And so I sat down and finally typed, you know, typed it out after being at the CBF meeting and the BWA meeting. And, you know, these were newsworthy events with significant speakers, things that were happening that were worth covering and crickets, right? I mean, you know, the mainstream media, even the media that covers religion, you know, I mean, the, I mean, I write, I write this piece and, you know, it, it's about ready to run. And it's the week after the Baptist World Alliance meeting. And not only did the BWA not get any coverage outside of a couple of, you know, Baptist publications, but then, you know, a leading publication that I, I criticize in the piece, Religion News Service, they run yet another profile about the SBC president. That was, you know, just like four weeks after the last profile they read, they ran about him after his election. It's like, you know, so not only are they not covering this meeting, they're still rehashing and telling us the same old story from a month ago. Right. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I see what you're seeing with the pockets of hope, but I'm more irritated than I am hopeful <laughs> at the moment. So in, in light of that and wanting to bring more attention to these other, you know, outside of the Southern Baptist Convention um kind of Baptist communities that are doing, you know, good work. Tell us a little bit about BWA for the, our listeners who may not know what that is. Yeah, so the Baptist World Alliance brings together Baptists from around the world uh, and meet every year. And so if you look at the Baptist bodies that are in the, in the United States that are in the Baptist World Alliance, there are more Baptists there than there are in the Southern Baptist Convention. So while the SBC is the largest Protestant denomination, they're not even half of Baptists in the United States. And so they do get this, you know, outside attention. And so this year's meeting was in Birmingham, Alabama, which wasn't as exciting of a location to, to go to as we normally get to go to. But, you know, sometimes we're going around the world to other countries and, and Alabama in, in July, in July is not necessarily on my bucket <laughs> list, but uh, nonetheless, right. The meeting itself was fantastic. I mean, we had, we had Alan Bozak, the anti-apartheid, a South African theologian activist was, you know, literally imprisoned for his preaching and proclamation and activism uh, there and spoke multiple times, uh, went down to Montgomery for the Legacy Museum and uh, the Slavery Monument there, which are, you know, two just amazing uh, experiences. Also hear from Brian Stevenson, who is an incredible speaker uh, and has done so much important work. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hearing all these speeches and then the Baptist World Alliance passes a resolution on reparations, uh, encouraging slavery reparations, encouraging conventions and churches to investigate their own past ties and then make reparations to make amends for that. This is a significant statement coming from Global Baptist and it got absolutely no attention. But, you know, that's, I mean, the BWA is in many ways why I am still Baptist, you know, it's what energizes me. It's where I, my faith is, is strengthened and challenged more than any other place. And I, I would really encourage all of your listeners to, to, you know, learn more about the Baptist World Alliance, go to a meeting sometime. I mean, particularly every five years, there's a bigger uh, gathering. And so in 2025, it'll be in Australia. So you can start making plans to gather with thousands of Baptists from around the world to worship together, to hear amazing preaching, uh, challenging, you know, Bible studies, take communion together as a global family. It really is what's the best thing about Baptists these days. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I encourage all denominations, people who are part of other denominational uh, congregations, to get involved in a global effort because it is a reminder how insulated we are here in the United States. You begin to hear different perspectives, and and they look at uh, uh, even theological questions differently and and life questions differently than we do here in the states. And so, uh, I agree with you. I was supposed to go to Birmingham, and (laughs) COVID. Took me off my feet, so uh, uh, I, I dearly missed uh, being with all of those people. Well, Brian, you have been, as always, a delight and a joy. We appreciate you taking time uh, with us here at uh, Good Faith Weekly. Brian Kaler is the editor and president of Word and Way. You can find more information about Word and Way at wordandway.org. But, Brian, before we let you go. So, Brian, as you know, our tagline at Good Faith Media is There's More to Tell. In light of your work and all that we've talked about today, what is your more to tell? You know, one of the guiding things for me is, are we going to leave this world better off for the next generation? And, and, and so for me, it is very personal, right? I have a son, um, he's in fifth grade. And so, you know, I, I, I'm concerned about a lot of things in our society right now. You know, we have our, our mass shootings in schools. We have the violent rhetoric. We have the assaults on our democracy. And we have, you know, churches are in decline and, you know, biblical literacy is down, all these things. And so, you know, that that motivates me and inspires me to keep doing the work uh, because I want him to be able to live to his fullest potential and those in his generation to be able to do so as well. And so we've, we've, we've got to really clean the mess up that we've made because we're not leaving them a great place right now. Very well said. I We echo those words as well. We've got two adult sons, and we're constantly... I feel I'm apologizing all the time these days because I apologize to them. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So uh, well it is said, more my your friend. your generation's fault than mine. I'm going to say that. Yeah, right. We always blame the, the ones up. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, Brian, thanks for joining us here at Good Faith Weekly. Again, uh, you are an amazing uh, leader, writer, and educator. Thank you so much for all you do at Warden Way. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Good Faith Weekly, hosted by Mitch and Missy Randall. This weekly podcast from Good Faith Media discusses matters of faith and culture. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and give us a like and a glowing review. We produce the podcast out of Norman, Oklahoma. Our music comes from Pond 5. And we're supported by listeners like you. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org.